Chapter Twenty Nine of Agnes Sorrel by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Nine. There are moments in life when even kindness and tenderness have no balm, when all streams are bitter because the bitterness is in us, when the heart is hardened to the nether millstone by the gorgon look of despair, when happiness is so utterly lost that unhappiness has no degrees. There are such moments, but, thank God, they are few. Heavy in heart and spirit, indignant at the treatment he had received, with his mind full of grief and horror at the dreadful death of a prince he had well loved, and with a body weary and broken with the torture he had undergone, still Jean Charost found comfort and relief in the soothing tenderness of Agnes Sorrel, and of two or three girls somewhat older than herself, who lavished kindness and attention upon him as soon as they learned what had just befallen him some wine was brought and fair hands gave it to him and all that woman's pity could do was done but agnes had that morning learned the power of music and running away into an ante-room she exclaimed where is our sweet musician here boy here bring your instrument and try and comfort him for whom you pleaded so hard just now he needs it much Petit Jean rose instantly, paused for one moment to screw up a little one of the strings of his violin, and then followed into the inner room, giving a timid glance around over the fair young faces which were gathered about Jean Charost. But his eyes soon settled upon the sufferer with an inquiring look which put the question as plainly as in words, what is the matter with him? They have put him to the torture, whispered Agnes, and the boy, after a moment's pause, raised his instrument to his shoulder, and drew from it those sweet tones which the Duke of Anjou had heard. A short time before, he had played a dirge for the Duke of Orléans in the presence of the Queen of Sicily. I can hardly call it one of his own compositions, but rather one of his inspirations. It had been deep, solemn, almost terrible but now the music was very different sweet plaintive and yet with a mingling of cheerfulness every now and then as if it would fain have been gay but that something like memory oppressed the melody it was like a spring day in the country a day of early spring when winter is still near at hand though summer lies on before to enjoy fine and elaborate music aright we require some learning a disciplined and practised ear but those, I believe, who have heard the least music are more deeply affected by simple melodies. The sensations which Jean Charost experienced are hardly to be described, and when the boy ceased, he held out his hand to him, saying, Thank you, thank you, my young friend. You have done me more good than ever did leech to sick man. You have more to thank him for than that, said Agnes, with a smile, which brought out upon her face, not then peculiarly handsome, this latent, all-captivating beauty which was afterward her peril and her power. Had it not been for him, neither the Queen of Sicily nor I would have ever heard of your danger. "'How can that be?' asked Jean Charost. "'I do not know him. I never saw him.' "'Nor I you,' replied the boy. "'But tis the story of the lion and the mouse that my grandmother told me. "'You have a lackey called Martin Grille. He is my cousin.' You have been kind to him, he has been kind to me, and so the whole has gone in a round. He gave me the first crown he could spare, 
that helped me to buy this thing that speaks so sweetly when i tell it it said to that young lady and to the queen to have pity and they had pity on you and so that went in a round too but i must go now for i have to meet martin on the parvis and i shall be too late stay a moment said agnes you have had no reward oh yes i have replied the boy reward enough in setting him free nay but that was but justice she answered stay but a moment and i will tell the queen you are going one of the other girls accompanied her and two more dropped away before she returned another who was elder remained talking with petit jean and asking him many questions as to how he had acquired such skill in music the boy said god sent it that from his infancy he had always played upon any instrument he could get that one of the chanters of notre dame had taught him a little and a blind man who played on the cornemuse had given him some instruction that was all that he could tell but yet though he showed no learning he spoke of his beautiful art with a wild confidence and enthusiasm that the young denison of an artificial court could not at all comprehend at length agnes returned alone bearing a small silk purse in her hand which she gave to the boy saying the queen thanks you petit jean and bids you come to her again on sunday night to-day she can hear nothing that is not sad but she would fain hear some of your gayer music tell martin that i will be home soon said jean charost indeed i see not why i should not go with you now methinks i could walk to the hotel nay said agnes kindly you shall not go yet the king has given me charge of you and i will be obeyed it will be better that he tell your servant to come hither and inquire for madame de Bousserolles, our superintendent then when you have somebody with you you can go in more safety tell him so petit jean i must let madame de Bousserolles know however lest the young man be sent away i will tell her said the other maid of honour you stay with your friend agnes for i have got that rose in my embroidery to finish farewell monsieur de bracy and if i were a king i would hang all the torturers and burn all the racks and the man who first invented them in the middle of them and she tripped gaily out of the room the boy took his departure at the same time and jean charost and agnes were left alone together or nearly so for various people came and went during well nigh an hour the light soon began to fade and a considerable portion of their interview passed in twilight but their conversation was not such as to require any help from the looks it was very calm and quiet vain were it indeed to say that they did not take much interest in each other but both were very young and there are different ways of being young some are young in years some in mind some in heart agnes and jean charost were both older than their years in mind but perhaps younger than their years in heart and nothing even like a dream of love came over the thoughts of either they talked much of the late duke of orleans and jean charost told her a good deal of the duchess they talked too of madame de gillac and agnes related to him all the particulars of that lady's visit to her in the morning why she came i really do not know said the young girl although she is a distant cousin of my late father's there was never any great love between us and we parted with no great tenderness two days after i saw you at pithivier her principal object seemed to be to tell me of your having visited her yesterday night and to mention the foolish trick she played upon you 
that she seemed very eager to explain i know not why jean charost mused somewhat gloomily there were suspicions in his breast he did not like to mention and the conduct and demeanour of madame de giac toward himself were not what he could tell to her beside him i love not that madame de giac he said at length i never loved her answered agnes i can remember her before her marriage and i loved her not then but still less do i esteem her now after having been more than ten days in her company it is strange monsieur de bracy is it not what it can be that gives children a sort of feeling of people's characters even before they have any real knowledge of them she was always very kind to me even as a child but i thought of her then just as i think of her now though perhaps i ought to think worse for since then she has said many things to me which i wish i had never heard how so answered jean charost eagerly what has she said oh much that i cannot tell that i forget answered agnes with the colour mounting in her cheek but her general conversation with me at least does not please me she speaks of right and wrong honesty and dishonesty as if there were no distinctions between them but those made by priests and lawyers everything to her mind depends upon what is most advantageous in the end and that is the most advantageous in her mind which gives the most pleasure she may be right answered jean charost if she takes the next world into account as well as this but still i think her doctrines dangerous ones and would not have any one to whom i wish well listen to them i never do answered agnes but she laughs at me when i tell her i would rather not hear and tells me that all these things and indeed the whole world will appear to me as differently ten years hence as the world does now compared with what it seemed to me as an infant i do not think it do you i cannot tell replied jean charost gravely but i hope not for i believe it would be better for us all could we always see the world in the eyes of childhood true it has changed much more to my own view within the last few months but it has changed sadly and i wish i could look upon it as i did before that cannot be however and i suppose we are all though men more than women destined to see these changes and to pass through them men can bear them better than women answered agnes a storm that breaks a flower or kills a butterfly does not bend an oak or scare an eagle well we must endure whatever be our lot but i often think monsieur de bracy that had the choice been mine i would rather have been a peasant girl not a serf but a free farmer's daughter with a tall white cap and a milk-pail on my arm than a lady of the court with all these gauds and jewels about me if my poor mother had lived i should never have been here thus they rambled on for some time till at length it was announced that martin grille was in waiting and jean charost took his leave of his fair companion pouring forth upon her at the last moment his thanks for all she had done to serve and save him he was still stiff and weak feeling as if every bone in his body had been crushed and every muscle riven but he contrived to reach the hotel d'orleans with the assistance of martin grille it was now quite dark but in the vestibule which has often been mentioned a number of the unfortunate duke's servants and retainers were assembled among whom jean charost perceived at once by the dim light of the lanterns the faces of the chaplain and seigneur andre as soon as the latter saw him leaning feebly on his servant he cried out with an exulting laugh ah here comes the lame sparrow who was once so pert 
silence fool cried a loud voice or i will break your head for you and juvenal de royat came forward holding out his hand to jean charost let us be friends de bracy he said i have done you some wrong i have acted foolishly like a boy but this last fatal night and this day have made a man of me and i trust a wiser one than i have ever shown myself forget the past and let us be friends most willingly replied jean charost but i must get to my chamber de royaume for to say the truth i can hardly drag my limbs along curses upon them replied de royaume the cruel monsters to torture a man for faithfulness to his lord let me help you de bracy and putting his strong arm through that of jean charost he aided him to ascend the stairs and with rough kindness laid him down upon his bed here during the evening the young secretary was visited by various members of the household though to say truth he was in no very fit state to entertain them lomelini came with his soft and somewhat cunning courtesy to ask what he could do for the young gentleman doubting not that he would take a high place in the favour of the duchess the chaplain came to excuse himself for having suggested certain questions to the king's council and did it somewhat lamely old monsieur blaise visited him to express warm and hearty applause of the young man's conduct in all respects do your devoir as knightly in the field my young friend he said as you have done it before the council and you will win your golden spurs in the first battle that is stricken several of the late duke's knights with whom jean charost had formed no acquaintance came also to express their approbation but praise fell upon a faint and heavy ear for all he had passed through was not without consequences more serious than were at first apparent martin grille overflowed with joy and satisfaction so sincere and radiant at the escape of his master that jean charost could not help being touched by the good valet's attachment but as a true frenchman he was full of his own part in the young gentleman's deliverance attributing to himself and his own dexterity all honour and praise for the result which had been attained he perceived not for some time in his self-gratulations that jean charost could neither smile nor listen that a red spot came in his cheek that his eyes grew bloodshot and his lip parched at length however a few incoherent words alarmed him and he determined to sit by his master's bedside and watch before morning he had to seek a physician and then began all the follies of the medical art common in those times for fourteen days however jean charost was utterly unconscious of whether he was treated well or ill kindly or the reverse and at the end of that time when the light of reason returned it was but faint and feeble when first he became fully conscious he found himself lying in a small room of which he thought he recollected something the light of an early spring day was streaming in through an open window with the fresh air sweet and balmy and the figure of a middle-aged man in a black velvet gown was seen going out of the door the eyes of the young man turned from one object around him to another there was a little writing-table two or three wooden settles a brazen sconce upon the wall a well-polished floor of brick an ebony crucifix with a small fountain of holy water beneath it all objects to which his eyes had been accustomed five or six months before the figure he had seen going out with its quiet firm carriage and easy dignity was one that he recollected well and he asked himself was he really still in the house of jacques coeur 
and was the whole episode of agnes and juvenel de royan and the imprisonment and the torture and the duke of orleans nothing but a dream End of chapter twenty nine